0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HouseToForks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm Caroline, and today we are talking about women's favorite
1: food, mm-hmm. yogurt. I know uh, it's you really can't be a true woman, right? Uh, is what. I've learned Mm -hmm. um, if you don't eat yogurt.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of one time I was at Costco Mm -hmm. and uh, we went to the dairy aisle, Mm -hmm. my husband and I. And, you know, I just saw just cases and cases, you know, Costco style, massive cases Mm -hmm. of yogurt. And I looked at the yogurt and I looked at him and I was like, I don't know which to
1: choose, (laughs) (laughs) you know? They're both a little bit sour and a little bit sweet if you know what I mean. Boy, do I. You know, and I went through a period where I was eating um at least 1 cup of yogurt a day, sometimes 2, because again, I had learned that yogurt was also like the healthiest thing you could put in your body. Looking back, uh, I have to question my decision. Because it's not like I was eating, you know, like plain Greek yogurt with maybe some fruit and nuts in it, like a forest animal. Um, I was just eating like the super sugary pink, like unnaturally pink yogurt. The kind that's supposed to
0: trick you into thinking that you're eating dessert <laughs> when it's actually yogurt.
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever went for like the key lime pie ladies, uh, type of yogurt. But um yeah, just like the the, the hot pink fruity
0: kind of stuff. I uh, did have a key lime pie kind. I remember distinctly for some reason in high school having <laughs> Yoplay play key lime pie. And you know what? I got to say it was not to sound like a yogurt commercial, but it was pretty good. Was it a treat? <laughs> it was a little bit of a treat, a little sweet treat. Um, and for the record, uh, that Costco story never did happen. That was fiction. <laughs> <laughs> to illustrate how much uh, yogurt commercials suggest that women really do want yogurt, though, more than anything else in our life. Uh, which, speaking again of Yo Play, it reminds me of that older Yo Play campaign featuring two women eating Yo Play yogurt and talking about how it is so, so good. good. This is. This is getting a raise, good. This is getting catcalled, good. This is getting catcalled when you're not even wearing any makeup, good.
1: Yeah, I I who are these women and and who was in charge of that ad campaign that they were like, you know, this is how women talk. I've never met any women in real life, but I imagine if they could talk and express opinions, they would talk like this about yogurt.
0: also, they would be eating yogurt at weddings, yeah.
1: why? okay, like, I get the joke. They're wearing like horrific bridesmaid's dresses, ha <laughs> ha funny. Um, but yeah, who brings like do you think they just brought? Cups of yogurt. Do you think they had like a clutch bag that they brought and they like put yogurts in it? Well, they're
0: probably suggesting that women can't even eat the wedding cake because such an indulgence. Once on the
1: lips, forever on the hips. Well, do you think, okay, so then that should probably be a new campaign. We're giving people ideas. We've got like key lime. We've got blueberry. You should have wedding cake flavor. Wedding cake flavor seasoned with tears. There you go. Always a bridesmaid. Oh, yeah.
0: But at least you got uh, those yogurt lids that you can lick and then put in a bag somewhere. That was also another weird one I it was like, you'll even want to lick it off the lid.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yogurt is so weird and so gendered. And really, from all of the reading we've done, because fair listeners, there's a lot of yogurt literature out there. It seems like it's always sort of historically been connected with this idea of... It's the healthier option, and it's going to help you live longer. And then that over time, or not even really over time, but very quickly actually escalated into, and it's going to keep you beautiful.
0: Yes, women, eat all of the yogurt. Uh, for my personal yogurt past, though, I did grow up in a yogurt-eating household. My mom had a yogurt-making machine. oh, So she was all about making the natural yogurt. I still eat yogurt almost every day. Not to brag (laughs) (laughs) and you are a true woman, you know, uh, and I've also really enjoyed ever since uh, my then boyfriend and I moved in together watching him adopt my yogurt habit. Um, (laughs) so it's not that I don't enjoy the food. I just am so have always been so, mesmerized, really, by the hypergendering of yogurt. I mean, it's really one of the most gendered foods in the grocery store, like second only maybe to hungry man dinners.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to think. My boyfriend does not eat yogurt, but when I lived with a dude roommate, he was a yogurt eater. Because it's, a, it's a, p- a perfectly healthy and delicious snack.
0: Lots of protein. Lots of protein. And it's also a cash cow, dairy pun intended. <laughs> it's a $7 billion industry in the U.S. alone.
1: Yeah, and it's actually expected to rise to more than $9 billion in 2017. We are yogurt fanatics here. What is going on? Well, John Stamos,
0: for one, <laughs> you know. People are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you Remember those Greek yogurt commercials where he appears and all of the women then like, Think about how their husbands are completely inadequate next to John Stamos. They're just all these commercials are so loaded with so many messages. Is he holding yogurt or yeah. is he yogurt? Maybe a little bit of both. And, <laughs> you know, okay. um, but if, if we're talking about what yogurt is, figured we should be precise mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration classifies yogurt as, quote, a food produced by John Stamos. Nope. <laughs> by culturing one or more of the optional dairy ingredients, namely mm-hmm. cream, milk, partially skimmed milk, and skim milk, used alone or in combination with a characteristic bacterial culture that contains lactic acid-producing bacteria, Lactobacillus bulgaricus and Streptococcus thermophilus.
1: Who? And don't forget the most important part. What? It's usually made from cow. Water buffalo or sheep milk. I only eat the finest water buffalo. When when yak milk is not available, mm-hmm, I go mm-hmm. the water buffalo route. Well, you got to make do
0: sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the funny thing about the current popularity of yogurt is just how old it is. You know, we're, we we treat. <laughs> A lot of these these yogurt innovations <laughs> like this is some new kind of food that we've come up with. But uh, culinary historians trace it back as far as 6000 BCE in the Neolithic era when they figure that Central Asian people wizened up and began milking their animals, first of all. And then yogurt was probably an accidental discovery because they were mm. like,
1: oh, left the milk out too long. Oh, wait, what? This is delicious. Mm. But see, like, I feel like, okay, if I had never been exposed to a yogurt like substance and the milk that I got from my yak soured, I don't know if eating it would be my first thing. But maybe I'm just too like 21st century germaphobe. Yeah,
0: I would imagine that the first person who ever taste tested yogurt must have really been the daredevil of the of the troop or Or the the tribe or the weirdo. (laughs) Like,
1: what is Jim doing? Ah, uh, tasting that soured milk again. But then do you think, I wonder how quickly then it turned into like cave ladies laughing over yogurt. <laughs>
0: Probably as, as soon as we could get our hands on it, <laughs> because, you know, you really feel it in your ovaries once you <laughs> once you make contact with yogurt. Uh, I thought this was a pretty cool fact, though, especially since yogurt is so feminine gendered. Genghis Khan and his armies are said to have subsisted on yogurt, which helped spread its popularity across Europe. Like word word of Genghis Khan's yogurt habit was actually some hot gossip. People are like, oh, well, if it's good enough for Genghis. uh...
1: (laughs) Oh, Genghis. So yogurt went viral. It did. That's manly manly yogurt. At the time went viral. And I mean, it's been used in so many different cultures, cuisines. It's featured in Indian, Greek, Lebanese, Turkish and other Middle Eastern cuisines. And its popularity here in the United States is thanks to its popularity, in particular in the Balkans region.
0: Yeah. And we'll get back to the Balkans because that was a major curveball for me as (laughs) I was... Reading through the marketing history of yogurt. Uh, but don't worry, dear listeners, we will get back to the Balkans uh, per capita, though. Any folks in Sweden or Saudi Arabia listening, you all eat the most.
1: And you're probably healthier for it. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yogurt is really good for digestion. Uh Things like IBS or, you know, just general gastrointestinal issues. It also helps immune function and weight control. It replenishes those natural flora in your digestive tract. And uh, I was actually thinking about this. Um, when I was so super sick for two weeks and was on antibiotics and, you know, antibiotics can really upset your stomach. And I was like, Ooh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm lactose sensitive slash. You don't want to be around me when I eat dairy, but it turns out that I should have just gone ahead and eaten the yogurt, bitten the yogurt bullet Because people with lactose issues can eat it. I had no idea. So I'm learning all sorts of things. Well, and it's myriad
0: health benefits or something that we, in the Western world, really started figuring out in the 16th century when in 1542, allegedly Charles I in France was cured of severe diarrhea with yogurt. I think it was goat's milk yogurt. And even though... The gendering of our yogurt consumption is obviously a construct. It is really good for biologically female bodies. Um, There are studies which have suggested that there are sex differences in yogurt's health benefits since it helps curb vaginal infections and gastrointestinal issues, which women experience Way more often than men. Women are twice as likely to be, uh, diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome and we're three times likelier to experience constipation. Huh. I, I didn't know these things. I learned that this week, thanks to stuff mom <laughs> never told you, for, wow. for a video on, uh, whether women are too stressed to poop.
1: Huh. Are we? a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So we need to relax and eat some yo Oh god, the commercials are right. Relax and eat some yogurt. Yeah, have a laugh with your girlfriend, you know. Yo play was right the whole time. It's better than ending the wage gap. It's even better than reproductive rights. <laughs> and some something else that I didn't realize, uh, you know, I, Yogurt is so frequently now considered to be part of like a diet lifestyle. You eat it to be healthy. Maybe you eat it to lose weight. So you don't eat the key lime pie. Um, but in 2014, a study in the British Journal of Nutrition suggested that probiotics are actually helpful for women's weight loss, but not men's. So there's some gendering of, of weight loss going in, going on, possibly because women's probiotic intake is correlated to a drop. In obesity-related gut bacteria. Yeah, but
0: researchers cautioned that yogurt bacteria is completely different from our naturally occurring human gut bacteria. So even though Activia might suggest that it will magically make you thin, it will not.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing we'll touch on here in a second, but that's absolutely part of the marketing campaigns for most of these Products, Right, and even if it's indirect marketing where uh,
0: with uh, Activia for instance, <laughs> the first thing I think of is Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh yeah, for sure. And thinking about the digestive issues, but one of our sources we were reading noted how uh, uh print ads for it are just this torso, this very thin idealized white ladies torso like washboard abs yeah. type of thing yeah yeah that's just without words just visually advertising you know the the thinness potential in in, in a little tub of yogurt but before we get back into the gendering we're going to back up a little bit and talk about how yogurt even arrived in the United States and from there really achieved the American dream and i'm not being <laughs> facetious at all <laughs>
1: It's, it's kind of an incredible
0: success story. So
1: are you telling me that it like showed up on our shores with a little suitcase and was like looking around for where to live and then finally like m- built a house and got a family? Yeah. Well, at first it showed up and the Statue
0: of Liberty was like, ooh, I'm a lady. Come on in. <laughs> you know, and there's the whole poem of like, give me your tired, your poor yeah. and your, and your yoga well, covers. The
1: torch she's holding used to be a spoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. So she's I like, come that. on in, cultured dairy product. So the first bit of
0: the story starts with some science, because like you said, Caroline, it's always been touted in modern history as a healthy food. And that's actually what got it to the United States. So at the turn of the century in Europe, there is a Russian Nobel Prize winning bacteriologist, Ily Metchnikov, who becomes really uh, scientifically obsessed with (laughs) Bulgarians yogurt habits and specific thing. Yes. And he really thinks that their uh, their long longevity. What could be attributed to yogurt, because what Metchnikoff did was isolate that so-called good bacteria in the yogurt that we still eat today, which is one of the reasons why he names one of those bacteria Lactobacillus bulgaricus mm. for Bulgaria. And this really stokes yogurt popularity in Western Europe as a really healthy food.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's no surprise that a scientist saying, hey, this product, this food helps extend life, and so therefore people would want to buy it and eat it. I mean, we've always been looking for the fountain of youth. That's why I spend too much money at Sephora every month. But, I mean, Metchnikoff himself only lived to 71. It's not like he lived to 100 yeah, but
0: that was quite a ripe old age for turn of the century because uh, the life expectancy back then was about half of what it is today. Lord. All right. Well, I mean, okay then. So maybe Metchnikoff was on to something. Yeah. Or at least a tasty snack. <laughs> exactly. Um, and speaking of tasty snacks, <laughs> <laughs> that's how the very first yogurt Company, the first American yogurt brand came about was uh, because immigrants brought over tasty snacks from their homeland, which Mm. included yogurt.
1: Yeah, and in 1929, I mean, not a great year for the stock market, but a fabulous year for cultured dairy. Uh, we get Armenian immigrants Rose and Sarkis Colombozian who start America's first yogurt brand, Colombo Yogurt in Andover, Massachusetts. And, and they shorten their last name because people who were already here in the states were like what is your last name i can't say all the syllables um, but basically their dairy farm that they had they they were producing way more milk than they could even drink so they were like oh i guess we'll just uh make yogurt with it and that that's you know when life hands you extra milk
0: you make yogurt.
1: You make yogurt. And, and this was, you know, again, during the Great Depression. So it's not like they were trying to strike it rich with their brilliant Colombo yogurt marketing campaign. They were trying to survive and help their neighbors survive, too. And they mostly sold this food to working-class
0: Syrian, Lebanese, Greek, and fellow Armenian immigrants because, uh, I mean, those were people who would have already been familiar with this product that otherwise would have been much too foreign for people born in the United States. And even though that Colombo yogurt only came in plain flavor, it was popular, In the 1960s and became even more popular when they added fruit in 1971. But not to get too ahead of ourselves, there's kind of a sad ending to Colombo yogurt. Um, By 1971, when they started adding fruit and people were like, ooh, this is even better than it was before. By then, Dannon had become such a major competitor. That they ended up selling Colombo yogurt in 1977, which through a series of acquisitions ended up in the hands of General Mills, which shuttered the brand in 2010 to focus on YoPlay. I feel like YoPlay is sort of the. The nemesis in this whole yogurt
1: <laughs> narrative that we've created. Uh, big, big yogurt. Yeah, big yogurt. <laughs> this big yogurt scheme. Yeah. Bob Columbosian, who is what is he, the grandson or the son? I thought he was the son. OK, so the son of our original yogurt makers uh, was quoted as saying it is a big part of my life. It is all of it, really.
0: Yeah, he was super bummed out when General Mills shut the brand down because he was like, well, that's my family history. All right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, but 2010, like that's, that's more than you can say for a lot of brands that started in the 1920s.
0: That's yogurt cup half full. Yeah. Looking at it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but since we're talking about big yogurt, Danone <laughs> and Yo Play, we got to get into how that even happened, because how did we go from these Armenian immigrants making the first commercial yogurt in the United States and selling it really to their friends and then growing from there all the way to, you know, Dan and fruit on the bottom well, over that? We got to hop back in time to 1919 in Spain.
1: Yeah, that's right. We get this guy, Daniel Carrasso, in Spain, who opens the world's first industrialized yogurt operation, whose name I presume was Danone. Yes, it looks like
0: Danone. D A N O N E. And it's in Spain. That sounds Spanish. Yes, (laughs) says the American. Uh I minored in Spanish in college, so I should huh. be far surer about this pronunciation than I am. But thankfully, <laughs> in 1940, <laughs> Ol' Carrasso comes over to New York and Americanizes the name to Dannon. So, you know, Cute. white girls like us don't have to sit around wondering whether it's Danone? Danone? Danone. No. Dan, Dan one. <laughs> it's just just Dannon. <laughs> But in 1942, son of Dan and co-owner Juan E. Metzger has what he thinks is a brilliant idea because we're in the thick of World War II and food is being rationed. Meat is hard to come by. And what has a ton of protein in it that isn't meat? Answer, tofu. Also, (laughs) yogurt. So his idea is to pitch yogurt as a meat substitute. But, of course, Americans were like, what? Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) All right, Nancy. (laughs) But this was a bit too radical of an
1: idea for Americans at the
0: time. Well, sure.
1: I mean, you can't chew yogurt. I get it. You want something satisfying. I mean, just give somebody a rawhide to chew on. If if you've got to have a meat substitute, surely rawhide is available, right? Okay, I am not living with you during wartime (laughs) rationing. Should it ever happen again? Uh
0: Okay. But in a terrific pivot to use some corporate speak, Metzger is like, all right, Americans don't want to substitute yogurt for meat. Okay. Five years later, he's like, hmm. Well, one thing that Americans don't really the American palate doesn't appreciate about yogurt is how sour it is, a strong taste. But they really love sweets. So he invented fruit on the bottom yogurt.
1: All right. Um, I was never as a child. I I could not eat the fruit on the bottom yogurt. Did I tell. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like chunks in my yogurt. I I wanted it to be smooth. So if I was going to eat fruity yogurt, much like when I was a grown person out of college, my first job eating so much yogurt all the time. I, I just wanted it to be the unnaturally already sweet fruity yogurt. Technically, that's
0: Swiss-style oh. yogurt. Oh. It's the smoother, sweeter kind of yogurt, whereas the original fruit on the bottom, they referred to as Sunday style. Oh. Which I thought was kind of cute, because they were trying to pitch it still, even back then, as a
1: dessert-ish kind of treat. Listen. If you promise Caroline Irvin a Sunday style dessert, there better be chocolate sauce. There could be. Period. I, I, as a child, guarantee you I
0: ate yogurt with chocolate sauce on it, and I guarantee you it did not taste very good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Were you just in the kitchen, like, mm-hmm. mixing random things together? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. When you're homeschooled, you know, you have, a, you have some extra time on your hands. <laughs> For culinary exper- experiments. Yeah. Um, but we honestly cannot emphasize enough how much this Fruit on the Bottom innovation just revolutionized the yogurt industry. This is really what allowed it to take off because you still have the healthy focus that they could market to mothers who they knew were doing the grocery store shopping. So he, even back then, we start to see it being uh, marketed at women, but at women at this point, for buying for their whole family rather than just themselves and other fellow bridesmaids, I suppose. <laughs> um, but now with the sweetness, too, they could get kids involved. And by 1963, they had figured out how to make Froyo happen. And
1: Froyo, for a while, was the hottest school treat on the block. Yeah, it was like the green juice of the early sixties, right? I mean, there's yeah. like froyo places popping up on every corner.
0: And there were, uh, there were reports in the New York Times about how Dannon or Danone <laughs> 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 uh, opened up a froyo shop, um, in uh, like a prominent street in New York. I forget which one it is, um, in Manhattan. And there was a line out the door and it was essentially just like shutting down all of the surrounding ice cream parlors because Americans were just gaga for froyo.
1: Yeah, there was some article that you sent me that even Häagen-Dazs felt compelled to get in on the froyo game because they were they were seeing, you know, people across the street lining up outside a Danone. Yeah, and we have to attribute a lot of this
0: <laughs> deeper research from of the 60s, 70s and 80s yogurt Trends to New York Magazine, which, y'all, they have been on the yogurt beat for <laughs> decades.
1: You're not. She's not kidding.
0: I yeah, I was just blown away by the depth of their yogurt coverage. Not even joking, um, because once we get into the 70s, there's really a lot to talk about because <laughs> Americans have yogurt fever, especially <laughs> those who are really into the whole health food and fitness crazes going on. Yogurt becomes a staple of that. And it's probably when my mom bought her yogurt maker.
1: Well, sure. I mean, but then you see that interesting aspect of how it's tied, it becomes even more tied in thanks to like, oh, it's a health food, uh, and it's gendered for women. And it's also part of like a fashionably thin lifestyle because in 1972, Vogue recommends it as a diet food. So that like Vogue, you know, being the, the Bible of fashion lovers, is telling you now, oh, well, you know, here's all of these, you know, fashions and body types to aspire to. Oh, and, you know, yogurt is your aspirational snack food. Well, then five
0: years later, in 1977, yogurt went mainstream out of, you know, the more niche health food stores and the pages of Vogue onto our televisions with Danons. Yes, Danon yogurt, Danons <laughs> Famous Georgians Over 100 ad campaign, which when I was reading about it, I I scratched my head wondering what it was. But then once I saw it, I remembered seeing these commercials on TV land way back in the day because they play vintage commercials. So the whole Georgians Over 100 bit is what takes us back to the Balkans and the Caucasus because Dannon finds this uh, group of people, th- these Georgians living in the Caucasus, who eat a ton of yogurt. They're always eating yogurt, and they have an extremely high life expectancy. Like, a lot of them are living into a triple digits. So, kind of like a repeat of Mechnikov. Absolutely. Mm. It's Mechnikov all over again. Only this time, we have TV. <laughs> and uh, it's just scenes of these very, very, very old villagers, like raking, yeah, in Georgia, like a very unsexy film footage with a voiceover of this, this Dannon guy going, these Georgians eat a lot of yogurt and they also live a long time. Yeah. We're not saying it's because of the yogurt. But we're not not saying it's <laughs> not because of the yogurt. And then you have this guy at the end eating yogurt. And they're like, And then this fellow likes yogurt so much, he ate two cups. And people loved it. (laughs) People loved it. I mean, like, even today, if you take advertising courses, like, this is one of the core campaigns (laughs) that's still considered one of the best of the 20th century.
1: Yeah, well, I wonder if that gets to... Like, Americans' perspective on other cultures in terms of like, oh, those, those much simpler people, uh, they, they must be more in touch with history and their bodies and healthy things that are all natural. So I trust them and their yogurt consumption. Oh, totally. And you could argue that there's a, a similar kind of
0: thing in the marketing of Greek yogurt. Yeah. Today. Um, but, It was such a success that in 1978, surprise, surprise, old New York magazine (laughs) reports on the yogurt trend leading with, quote, yogurt has gone legitimate. (laughs) When I read that, Caroline, I just I wanted to stand up and give a ovation to whoever wrote that.
1: Well, thank, it. thank God, because we'd been eating nothing but illegitimate yogurt this whole time. <laughs> it's true. It's true.
0: Um, but one other line that jumped out to me in that uh, very in-depth 1978 report in New York Mag was that uh, they also noted that it, quote, doesn't engender the guilt associated with consuming most snack foods. So we're already seeing this positioning of yogurt as a guiltless kind of snack where it's super healthy, but it'll still fill you up, and you get a little sweetness with that fruit.
1: Uh, Yeah, which leads us perfectly into the diet fads of the 1980s. You've got Jane Fonda, you've got leotards and fitness videos and aerobicizing and such, and you've got your cups of yogurt. Oh, yeah, sales have not soured. In
0: 1982, the New York Times declared,
1: yogurt is chic. That's a quote, y'all. Yogurt is chic. Yeah, they reported that yogurt was seeing sales rates growing by 19% a year, and they wrote that an indication of yogurt's image is that it is frequently mentioned as an ideal diet food. So already, not only is it being associated with diets, but people are reporting on the fact already that it is strongly associated with diets. And that's exactly 10 years after Vogue Mm -hmm. was like, oh, hey, ladies, (laughs) eat
0: some yogurt to stay safe in. Uh, (laughs) What I really loved, though, the most in this New York Times piece was it mentioning that uh, the the industry was growing so much that Kellogg's at the time was test marketing a premium yogurt that they were calling Whitney.
1: Who's, who's Whitney? I'm hoping that they were like, maybe Whitney Houston will rep this. Whitney. But I guess, isn't that also like an old school New York surname? The Whitney's? Yes, there's there's a Whitney Museum. Oh, there is a Whitney Museum. Whitney they Eat eat Whitney's at Whitney's with Whitney. <laughs> Triple threat. And you know, honestly when I picture an eighties Whitney, I picture a floofy side ponytail with a a scrunchie and like a sweater that's maybe, you know, multicolored with patches on it, white white sneakers. You know, I have a sweater like that at
0: home and I'm wearing white sneakers right now, Caroline. <laughs> a little too close to home? Maybe I should start my own yogurt brand. That's all I'm saying. Um But I, I just love how this front and center is like, oh, yeah, we're definitely getting into some gendering. Because I doubt that they were really gunning for men to be eating Whitney yogurt.
1: Well, yeah, and it turns out and we'll talk about this when we come right back from a quick break. But it turns out that, yeah, they totally weren't marketing to men at all. So we'll talk more about that in just a second.
0: Once we get into the early 90s, yogurt, no surprise, it's still going strong, except for Whitney. I think (laughs) Kellogg's had retired Whitney by that point. But this is when yogurt goes all in for the ovaries. And really, it is a a distinct shift in marketing tactics led by Dannon, um, because they figured out that by that point... 86% 86% of their consumers were women.
1: Well, yeah, because women have heard whether directly or indirectly that yogurt is chic. It's an it's the ultimate diet food. It's guilt-free. Uh it's healthy. So like, yeah. Right. I mean, w- of course. I mean, women are Whether they're consciously or subconsciously picking up what you're putting down, they are certainly picking it up.
0: And this has been happening for 20 years, too. So, I mean, those messages are pretty firmly ingrained by this point. And, of course, we have yet another amazing New York Magazine trend piece saying that, quote, yogurt had been a health nut fringe fitness food. But now, it's user-friendly, easy to
1: eat, and very 90s. I love the user-friendly thing. I know. I just imagine, (laughs) you know, those um, infomercial Uh things where, like, the woman opens the cabinet and all of the Tupperware falls on her, or, like, she can't open the milk, and so the milk goes everywhere. I just imagine that happening (laughs) with, like, 1980s yogurt. But don't worry, ladies, now that we're in the 90s, it's super user-friendly. It has a really good interface, too, (laughs) It's got a really simple interface. Real good UX. Yes. And in that same article, they talked to the associate creative director for gray advertising. And this was the outside advertising agency that handled a lot of Dan and stuff back in the day. And this guy, not only is it user friendly now, but this guy says that yogurt can even help older people feel like they're reclaiming lives that have spun out of control. Whoa! Yeah. So if you feel, and that's, I think the subtext there is specifically is about weight. Um, But like, oh, maybe your life isn't going the way you thought it would. Maybe you've been eating too much bad stuff and your kids are acting up and you're feeling out of control. Well, here's a yogurt. That's so weird. That logic is so strange. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine that the subtext
0: there must be getting control over your... Physique, Your sloppy eating habits. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank goodness it's so user-friendly <laughs> <laughs> that people can finally eat it without getting it everywhere, apparently. Well, they also talked to this marketing veep with Danon, who said that what they were trying to do for their, their future direction was establishing what they called the yogurt habit. And he compared it to how orange juice is... The breakfast juice, like we, we have our orange juice habit in the morning. You get your banana, your coffee and your OJ. And he was like, okay, the next thing we want to do is make the yogurt habit happen. And that's
1: why it started being positioned as a dessert replacement. I also picked up on that OJ statement and I wrote the quote down because I was so tickled by it. May I? Yes, please. Um, he said, we're not at the stage, and I like to imagine that he sounded really concerned. Oh, I'm sure he did. We're not at the stage, unlike orange juice, where we can say that we're not just for breakfast anymore. So all these people just willy-nilly drink an orange juice now at any time of the day. Yes, it's a breakfast beverage, but you can enjoy an orange juice at 6 o'clock at night if you like with dinner. And we're just not there yet.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he wanted to make yogurt an, any time. it was too niche
1: then as a breakfast food, yeah,, oh. but but he he, I don't think, you know, I, I think he just saw in the future mm-hmm. what was to come for yogurt, that it too could be enjoyed as an all-day snack, yes, indeed, <laughs> or a dessert replacement. Well, and the messaging
0: that, hey, yogurt can be eaten at any time of day <laughs> was going to be pitched from that point. Directly to women because they were like, you know what? 86% of our consumers are women. We're not going to waste our time trying to convert non-yogurt eaters. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're just going to get yogurt eaters to eat even more yogurt (laughs) and eat it whenever they want. So this thing can be breakfast. It can be snacks. It can be dessert. And this is when you really start seeing not only a proliferation of all of these more niche yogurt brands that are clearly targeted at women who are watching their waistlines, but also the taglines that go with it, such as light and lively yogurt, uh, who said that you can eat smart and look it. But I think by looking smart, they don't mean intellectually smart. They mean smart as in you've been making smart eating choices, which is why you're so thin, mm. you know, and then of course you have Weight Watchers. They had to get in the game too. Uh, they described their yogurt as
1: total indulgence, zero guilt. I don't feel like I'm indulging when I eat yogurt, but oh yeah, whatever makes me feel less guilty, I guess. Um, YoPlays is also hilarious. Their, their tagline was do it for you. Do it for you, honey. Lady, you deserve it. And, I- well, and, what a
0: shift from the original yogurt marketing, which was, Hey, women, buy yogurt for your family. Yeah. Now we're in the nineties and it's like sisters doing it for themselves. Honey, eat your yogurt. It doesn't matter if you're
1: not married. <laughs> we're so like post feminism. <laughs> Choose your choice. Choose your yogurt. Choose your yogurt. I mean, cause we
0: are getting into that, you know, feminism backlashy <laughs> period. And also just the whole diet craze of the nineties, which was very focused on how fat was
1: bad. Oh my God. Do I remember? Geez. So my father had a heart attack in 1995. So that was like in the throes of all of this, like what I call the snack wells era of my household. Oh yes. So yeah. I am hyper familiar with how, like, we have demonized fat in our culture and ignored sugar. So, was yogurt prominent in, in your, your house too, during the time? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't really remember because the Snack Wells boxes were overwhelming. I could have built an entire separate house out of Snack Wells boxes.
0: You know, speaking of our, our home, our home life in yogurt, <laughs> Uh, reading up on this did make me think of how throughout my life, my mom was always touting the benefits of yogurt. I mean, it was a healthy food. Of course, she like made her own, so it made it even healthier, whatever. But she would always talk to my sisters and me about how it was especially important for women to eat yogurt, partly for weight control reasons, but also partly for vaginal health.
1: Yeah. Did she ever say anything like that? Or was it more of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing?
0: I don't think she ever used the phrase vaginal health. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was clear enough that I knew what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um and, and all of those taglines, though, and, and the pivot straight for our ovaries <laughs> really worked. Yogurt sales between 1975 and 1990 alone jumped 100 20%. But yogurt was not done growing. <laughs> you know, we get through the 90s and okay, we, I, I think that the Dannon Veeps dream had come true. People were eating yogurt whenever they wanted to. So what's the next phase? Probiotics. I had no idea before this episode of what a blockbuster activity it was.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it was a one billion dollar global brand by 2006. And it, it didn't even launch that much earlier than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was a figure that I found in a Slate article and I read it two or three times because it seemed too high, but that was what they
1: reported. No, I mean, it, <sighs> this is, uh, this is an admittedly weird thing that's about to come out of my mouth, but Activia was really a perfect storm. Of all of our lady concerns, right? Like, okay, so it's marketed by Jamie Lee Curtis, whom, of course, we can trust. She's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's Jamie Lee Curtis. She has that sensible cut. She's salt and pepper. Yeah, she's married to Christopher Guest. So, you know, she's funny. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Yes. But here's this... Food product that we already associate with health and diets and thinness and reasonable choices and being guilt free. And then it's supposed to make us even thinner and more regular. And I was activity ashamed. Again, going back to my first job, I had been eating a lot of like the sugary, fruity yogurt or whatever already. And Activia, I come across Activia and I'm like, oh, well, th- you know, this seems I hadn't yet discovered my dairy sensitivity. I'll just say that. So I was like, I don't know what my body's doing, but Activia promised and Jamie Lee Curtis says I'll feel better. Um, so I-, I got a lot of Activia, put it in the refrigerator at work. And a colleague of mine made fun of me so much like every day for eating Activia And talking about like poop and Jamie Lee Curtis and stuff. And I was like, God, I don't think I can bring activity to the office Uh, anymore. Yeah. (sighs) It's unnecessary. That is unnecessary.
0: Also leave your poop jokes at home. You don't need them in the (laughs) workplace unless you're recording a podcast. Yeah. Of course. Well, the new layer too that Activia and the whole probiotics craze brings in is this (laughs) science-ish. Uh, pitch Mm -hmm. where they're claiming that probiotics, which sound, you know, very sciencey, that these are the quote, beneficial bacteria. But they're, but they're never really clear on what exactly it does. They're just saying that, um, they're, (laughs) that they contain all of these live organisms that are going to help your digestion and also help with weight control. But uh, the American Society of Microbiologists has weighed in, saying, quote, at present, the quality of probiotics available to consumers in food products around the world is unreliable.
1: Well, and um, Activia pulled this really brilliant marketing move uh, there. There was this um, bacteria in the yogurt already, and it was called Bifidobacterium animalis. That's its name in in the world of science. That's what it's called. And Activia renamed it and trademarked it as Bifidus regularis. So like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you're going to poop better and therefore be thinner. Oh, my gosh. So, the, So they weren't actually offering anything new. They were just renaming bacteria. Oh, yeah. To sound better. Yeah, and and clearly what it does is it forms. And this is according to the advertisements, Kristen. Mm-hmm. It forms into a yellow arrow that points the poop out of you. Oh, that's good. It's an arrow down and not up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or out to the
0: side. We don't know where it's going. <laughs> Sounds like it's also user friendly. <laughs> well, of course we also have to mention the most recent. Yogurt trend right on the heels of the probiotics craze, which started in 2011 when America was all about some Greek yogurt.
1: Yeah, and it really seems like at this point it is part of sort of a trend away from those more sugary, hot pink yogurts. People want to get more natural and Greek yogurt with names like Faye to to consumers just sounds like, oh, well, that's clearly right off the the farm. It
0: must be. It looks like phage, (laughs) but it's (laughs) Yay. You know, it's good then. Uh, The Wall Street Journal, though, described its popularity as, quote, nothing short of astronomical. And, yeah, they attributed it to partly the slow food movement and us being like, oh, maybe we don't need all of this added stuff in our food. But also the whole Mediterranean diet obsession that uh, my parents were also really into, where it was like, all we need are just nuts and olive oil <laughs> and yogurt and a fish and a fish, a lean protein. And we'll be fine. Not that any of those things are, are unhealthy. I eat a lot of all of those actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like with the case of probiotics, there's all of this, like, murky, not necessarily scientifically sound claims about how all of these yogurts are really the key to, you know, having the body you want.
1: Well, I mean, apparently they are the key to having the body you want if you're a man. Oh. <laughs> uh, so... You know, obviously there is a, and I say obviously because this is just how this happens. It happens with body wash. It happens with shampoo. It even happens with the very shower poof you put the body wash on. But eventually, in the marketing world, men are going to need their own thing. There's always a turning point when somebody's like, what about the men's? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same way that
0: Gillette back in the day uh, got hopped on the women's razors and shaving trend because they were like, we need to grow our market. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you've tapped out all the women when pretty much everyone eating your product is
1: women, of course you're going to pivot to dudes. Well, what's so funny, though, is what that entails, because, I mean, I look at the yogurt in the yogurt aisle and I don't necessarily think of it as like hyper-gendered to look at it. It's not like it's all in pink glitter packages, although, again, Would love that. Um, might buy some more yogurt. Just saying, if you're trying to appeal to me, make the container glittery. Anyway, to appeal to men, you've got these companies that are starting to put their yogurt in like black packaging. Again, the same thing you see with body wash and men's shampoo. It's like, it's gotta be in like a black or a dark gray container. And in addition to the color scheme, you have to put the
0: protein front and center. That yeah. It's all about the protein. Um, so in 2013, as many of our listeners, I'm sure have kind of been waiting for in this episode, Brogurt happens, <laughs> uh, powerful yogurt, which is a Miami yogurt company, uh, started marketing yogurt directly to men. Um, and powerful was the name of it. It was just nicknamed Brogurt because w- what a fun portmanteau. Um, Around the same time, you also have ProYo and Yo Play masculinizing a Greek 100 campaign with its men of yogurt starring beefcake Dominic Purcell, who I did have to Google. I age. had to Google, too. And yeah, I mean, he's just he's a, he's a big dude. He's like a Vin Diesel type.
1: Yeah. And it's, in yogurt. And it's supposed to be it's supposed to be funny. Like, look at this big beefy man who's doing something that was that has been considered so girly. Mm-hmm. And, but you can do it too, men. Look at how muscly he is. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know of many guys who have uh, squirmed at the thought of eating yogurt that I know of. Maybe I just haven't eaten yogurt around a lot of guys, <laughs> um, but I'm not sure how many would, would feel like openly eating just regular yo play would really be threatening their masculinity. Um Darren Seifer though, who was an NPD group analyst Told NBC News that men have been underrepresented in yogurt consumption. So, quote, these companies are trying to man up yogurt. And it didn't really work because it was so overtly gendered uh-huh. and so obviously a, a brogurt Hail Mary that people you know, weren't that into it. Stop
1: trying to make fetch happen. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's also assuming that women don't want super protein benefits either.
0: You right. Know? Right. Whereas like, I, I specifically eat Greek yogurt for the protein. You know, again, yeah. not to brag about my <laughs> yogurt habit. Um, and, uh, I made a stuff I've never told you video <laughs> encapsulating this hour long conversation into two and a half minutes. And uh, someone on Twitter helpfully reminded me of one of my favorite television shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and how Terry Crews is on it. And he is just this huge, muscle-bound man. And he's always eating yogurt. It's one of his favorite foods. And it's never a joke in the show of the way of like, oh, Terry, you're so girly for eating yogurt. He's just like a big man carrying around a little yogurt container in his hand yeah so cute. it's less about the yogurt itself right and just to have like he he is the most like overtly doodly dude on the show and he also talks about himself in the third person which is really <laughs> charming um and you know here he is because it kind of also shows his more sensitive side because he's a very caring husband and father and nothing is going to threaten terry's masculinity and certainly not some yogurt, because that just makes him stronger. He eats <laughs> it for his muscles.
1: And his muscles thank him. You know what else thanks us for eating yogurt? Oh, do tell. Our vaginas. It's true. It's true. It's true. Nancy was right. Yeah. Um One thing we haven't mentioned
0: is how there are a lot of people. This is going back to uh, second wave feminism. I mean, I'm sure people were doing it. Before then, but second waivers are really all about this. Using yogurt for uh, DIY yeast infection treatments. And um, I was watching a Lacey Green YouTube video not too long ago where she talks about um, using yogurt on yeast infections as well. I have never personally tried the yogurt method, but I know people who have and who it's worked for. Obviously, it doesn't work as quickly, as an over-the-counter treatment, um, but for people who aren't interested in whatever kind of chemicals might be in monostat, there's
1: yogurt. And I'm assuming you should probably go with just like plain. Yeah, I don't think you need the fruit on the bottom for this one. <laughs> or like the kinds
0: with the sprinkles? Yeah, yeah, no sprinkles needed. Okay. But you got to make sure that it has live active cultures. Okay. That is stuff my mom did tell me. Oh. She was always about the live active cultures, especially if we ever went on antibiotics as well. Um, but speaking of moms too, I was curious when we were researching for this, um, whether, not really whether, but how many and how often <laughs> women made breast milk yogurt. Oh, it's out there. It's so out there. There are recipes, videos, any, any info you want about breast milk yogurt. Well, I mean, you know, mix it up for your baby, I guess. Yeah, some some women do. Um, but by far the most extreme yogurt was made by a University of Wisconsin PhD student named Cecilia Westbrook, who, as an experiment, she was a scientist, and she was like, I wonder if I could make my own yogurt using my own lactobacillus bacteria naturally produced by my vagina.
1: And you know what? (laughs) It worked. Yeah. And um, any potential weirdness or squeamishness aside, she had a really great point that uh, she said, I was actually surprised to know that we really don't know a lot about vaginal flora. There's really been only one or two big studies. And interestingly, most of the information that we do know about it is from white women. And so, we need more studies. We need more information to, to get in touch with our own bodies and our own health, but also to, like, maybe potentially help women get better medical treatment in general. Um, and so she made a couple a couple bowls of it. And the FDA was like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Vaginal
0: yogurt will not be coming to any uh, health food store near you anytime soon because the FDA doesn't consider vaginal secretions. To be food. Who knew? And because of the risk of disease transmission. Huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But she did, in case you were wondering, like I was, she did taste it twice. And she said it tasted sour like Indian yogurt. Oh. So, I mean, what a great icebreaker, though, she's got. Because, you know, when you're in like a group situation and sometimes they'll have you like go around and say your name and like an unexpected fact about you. You know, she can be like, hi, my name's Cecilia. Surprise, surprise. I made yogurt out of my own vaginal secretions. Eh, there, you know? Yeah. There you go. I, I never come up with anything. I was like, and I'm left-handed. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. I, my mind is a complete blank. I've got nothing that. on Cecilia. No.
0: There is nowhere else to go, I think, in this conversation except to just leave like, mic drop style. Listeners with with Cecilia Westbrook's um, science experiment that did go viral, Um, thankfully, uh, Internet wise, not um, bacteria wise (laughs) (laughs) and listeners. Oh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, yogurt info as much as we obviously did. And we want to know your yogurt stories. And listen, by no means was this episode about yogurt shaming. We are poking fun of the yogurt marketing, which is ridiculous. Um, But I love yogurt. I'll say it. (laughs) I love yogurt. I love yogurt. I I eat it almost every day. Um, So we want to know from you, have you ever been activity ashamed? Guys, have you ever been yogurt shamed? And what are your thoughts on yogurt? Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you when we come right back
1: from a quick break. Well, Kristen and I have a couple of letters uh, in response to our period tracking app episode from women who've realized that there are benefits beyond just being able to track your period. Uh, This one's from Brittany. She says, in response to the Period Tracker podcast, I first downloaded iPeriod back in 2014 because my husband and I were ready to start trying for baby number one. I really enjoyed not having to write my period flow in the same planner that I took to work meetings for fear someone would glance and see all my personal notes when I was having my mincy, (laughs) when we had intercourse, how I felt, etc., We were fortunate to get pregnant after three months of trying, but then we lost the pregnancy at the end of the first trimester. Shout out to your miscarriage episodes. So relieved to hear others talk about a topic that to so many is taboo. I began reusing the period app. Once we decided it was time to start trying again, it was devastating to look at the app and see that I should have had my period weeks ago, but wasn't pregnant after eight months of tracking a not so regular period, which by the way, I had always been regular. I decided to go see my OBGYN. The tracker helped since I was able to print a calendar for each month and write all of my notes off of the app to give the doctor there. She was able to see that my period really wasn't consistent and that maybe after a year of trying, we should start looking at, into fertility testing long story short after a year of trying the doctor determined that i had developed an adenoma on my pituitary gland causing my body to make a pregnancy hormone that it shouldn't have been making which in result made my body think it was already pregnant and wouldn't allow me to ovulate no ovulation no babies With taking charge of my own health tracking, I was able to get answers that I desperately needed. I just started medication to help with my hyperprolactinemia condition, and with using my tracker last month for the first time in over a year, I had a normal cycle. I had never been that happy to have a period. Weird, right? To me, it means I'm one step closer to being able to conceive again. Jeez, Brittany, that's amazing, and I'm sorry for your loss, but it's incredible what really being in touch with your health and your body processes like that can do. So I'm really happy for you. And Miriam also
0: has a story or two to share about that. So she writes, first of all, I have to share that my second waiver mom was definitely a charter. And when little seven-year-old me asked her what her menstrual cup was, she went on into full descriptions of what our whole cycle is like. Egg white mucus descriptions and all And that our period is only one part of this incredible cycle our body does every month or so. She successfully used the fertility awareness method to conceive each of my sisters when she wanted and avoided any unwanted pregnancies for decades by charting. Fast forward 20 years and my husband and I decided we wanted to have a baby. I decided to take out my Nuva Ring and started charting using Fertility Friend, a very statistics driven app and website before apps existed. That's cut and dry with no cutesy crap. Nine months later, no pregnancy and lots of data. I went to the OB who browsed quickly through my app and said I probably have polycystic ovarian syndrome. They ran tests so they normally wouldn't have run on a thin 27 year old woman trying to conceive for less than a year had I not had these charts handy. Alas, I had quote unquote thin Picos and was given letrozole to ovulate and became pregnant that month. These apps don't replace our docs, but they help our docs. Thanks ladies. Been listening since the beginning and enjoy every episode. Well, thanks so much for sharing Miriam. And I am really happy to hear that there are these uses for these period and fertility tracking apps beyond tracking our menstruation. Just remember, read privacy claims before you uh, download them. So, with that, if you have stories to share with us, mom stuff at howstuffworks.com is where you can send them. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources, so you can learn even more, if it's possible, about yogurt, head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.